You are listening to Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. So today we're on the line with Greg Peters, the Chief Brewing Officer at June Shine down in San Diego. Hi, Greg. Hey, Ian. How are you doing? I'm good. So tell me, you know, a little bit about your background. You came out of the craft brewing industry, is that right? Yeah. So after spending around 15 years in the San Diego craft beer industry, I was contacted by Juneshine, a hard kombucha producer, to see if I was interested in um, joining the team. My experience with producing sour beers, my already established love of uh, non-alcoholic kombucha, and the core values of the company really aligned. So it was kind of a natural, easy progression for me, uh, moving from craft beer into hard kombucha. Um, kombucha was not a foreign thing to me. I'd, I've been drinking GTs for close to 10 years. Um, my wife and I eat very healthy. We're very conscious about what we put into our bodies. And on uh, Sunday mornings in particular, after we'd gone out and had a few too many beers on Saturday night, uh, drinking a GT's kombucha always made us feel better. <laughs> we, also, we also would drink them during the week. But my first response um, when my friend asked me to talk to Juneshine um, about possibly joining and making hard kombucha was, I don't, I don't really like hard kombucha. That's why I told him. And he said, well, have you tried Juneshine? I said, no, I've only had one other type of hard kombucha. I didn't particularly like it, but um, I'll give it a shot. And um, I grabbed the can of blood orange mint from uh, Juneshine and tasted it and said, you know, this is, this is amazing. I could, I could definitely get behind this. So I took the interview, and I realized pretty quickly that the two founders, uh, Greg Soreo and Forrest Dean, not only were they incredibly passionate young businessmen that had a, uh, a very clear path to success, but we also shared the same core values of quality, transparency, sustainability, and creating, you know, the healthiest organic hard alcohol in the market. So, wow. So what, what you've described is the, in fact, you were drinking kombucha. It wasn't a strange thing for you. Uh, you didn't like the couple of hot kombuchas you tried, but June Shine, you love the taste. So they, you joined the company, what, was it like a year old or six months old or what age? No, June no, uh, about a month old. Yeah, the, the, doors, the doors opened in June. I started talking to the founders in July, and uh, I started working there in the beginning of August of 2000. Yeah, so you set up. So, did you, so when you walked in, was it they were, the founders were doing the brewing themselves, and then you took over with your experience to scale it? Or, uh, I mean, no, so um, the two founders had hired a brewer with some experience in kombucha and um, beer. His name's Josh Mackler. He was the original brewer here at Juneshine. And um, they, had, they had a little garage space in um, North Park, which is kind of a little downtown area of San Diego. They had a little garage, and 
they had about 50 different five-gallon um, containers there, and they were just doing test batch after test batch after test batch, trying to come up with a recipe for hard kombucha. And they eventually succeeded, and uh, they found a – there's this uh, – there's this space in San Diego, it's called the Brewery Incubator, and essentially this, um, this company comes in and buys, buys these properties and they install little brew systems in there for brewing beer, and they, and they make a tasting room. So they took this space over and they scaled up from making five gallons at a time to um, making 20 barrels at a time, which is around 600 gallons. So, yeah, they had, they had already started brewing. There was probably five or six flavors on tap um, when, I first, when I first joined. They hired me because they realized pretty quickly, based on um, the popularity of the tasting room and the fact that the small number of cans that they were actually produce, producing and self-distributing, they couldn't keep them on the shelves at all these little independent liquor stores and, uh, and bars. And they, they knew immediately, they're like, we have to grow. Like, we can't, this, is, this stuff is liquid gold, and <laughs> people want it, and um, so we need to grow. So they brought me on to facilitate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's really interesting, Greg. Um, can you, maybe just for anybody who's curious, um, what I want to do is ask you about the fact you make it, you making June, not kombucha, because you're using honey and green tea, I think, as the basis. But before we get into that, what, if anything, would you say is like the highest level difference between brewing craft beer and brewing hard kombucha? Because I know many of the vendors are to the craft beer industry also whether it's bottling equipment or, or the kegs or the, maybe the brewing vessels, it's the same manufacturers of that brewing equipment. But are there any major differences people should be aware of? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I get, this, I get asked this a lot. Um, there's a lot of similarities, um, and there's a lot of very significant differences. Um, one of the similarities is, is, yeah, if you talk about equipment, you can make kombucha, you can make hard kombucha on brewery equipment. That's why we were able to walk into the small brewery in North Park and immediately start brewing kombucha there. Um, that's the reason that we acquired Ballast Point's old facility um, and are now able to make 6,200 gallons at a time using beer brewing equipment. Um, so the equipment is the same. It's essentially stainless steel vessels. We do have some modified tanks that are specific for kombucha. So essentially the geometry is different. There's more surface area on top, which allows for more microbial growth um, of our SCOBY or our mixed culture. Other than that, you know, we're using a canning line that's used for beer or cider. Um, we're using a centrifuge that's used for um, beer and cider and wine. Uh, we have a brew house, hot liquor tank, hot water boiler, um, all those kinds of things. And um, how, long does it, how long does it take? Is a, is a beer brewing cycle shorter or longer than kombucha brewing cycle? We are almost exactly the same amount of time as it takes to brew, a, say, an IPA. Um, so, you know, total, total brew cycle time, um, we're 
between 18 and 22 days right now. Mm. Wow, okay. So in a way, you're saying there's more similarities than differences. Obviously, you're not starting with you know, hops and whatever the beer is made from. You're starting with a scooby. And, and I think one of the differentiations that people, I'm sure many of the people listening to this will know, that the plain old kombucha and the non-alcoholic kombucha versus June is June is made from, as I understand it, honey and green tea only. Kombucha can be black tea, sugar, green tea, other kinds of teas. It, is that true for June Shine? Are you basically originating it with, as a June with, or a Jun with honey and yeah. green tea? Sure. Okay. okay. Well, let, let me take a step back. I mean, I, what I was listing were, were the similarities and, um, <laughs> There are a lot of similarities between, you know, making beer and making hard kombucha, but there's also a lot of things that are very, very different. Um, and we are constantly learning um, ways to improve our product and our process. Um, and there's no literature out there on this, on making hard kombucha. You know, there's literature on making kombucha, but hard kombucha is something that's pretty different. Um, and as opposed to beer, there's thousands of years of experience and literature and schools and that kind of stuff. So um, we've kind of had to develop all of our own recipes and techniques and all that stuff, um, you know, on our own. Um, but, yes, the I mean, I could walk you through the process. Um, we start with, a jun kombucha base. So, yeah, we brew green tea um, with honey as opposed to black tea and adding sugar. We then um, we put that in a tank with our proprietary mixed culture or our SCOBY, which is, you know, symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. We, we leave it in that tank until we hit our desired pH and total acidity. So, you know, these are things that we're measuring in our quality control lab. Once we hit our target acidity, we then add uh, organic cane sugar, and we add additional brewing yeast. We send that to a different tank um, that is, you know, designed specifically for high-alcohol fermentations. And then it spends, about, it spends about seven days there fermenting. And the additional yeast eats the added organic sugar and converts that to alcohol, um, boosting it up to 6%. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I, I saw on your website, and I'm sure it's on the, on the cans and labels as well, that you have a 6% alcohol. Is it, that's consistent, is it? That's across any flavor of any, any type of June shine. That's correct. Yeah, we're making a 6% ABV kombucha base for all of our flavors. So after secondary fermentation, we then add it to another tank where we add organic juices or spices. So, for example, our most popular flavor is blood orange mint. So, yeah, we brew our 6% base. We then add organic blood orange juice. Um, we infuse um, whole organic mint. And then we carbonate and we put it in a can and off it goes. Wow. Well, that's where I, I think I'd like to ask you a few. And this might be outside because obviously you're the guy in the brew house or the brew, whatever they call it, you know, the, in, the, in the back there. 
making this good stuff. But um, I saw on your website there seems to be a lot of um, locations that make it available on tap. Is, is mm -hmm. it true that because uh, actually what I found in England I, I might have mentioned I you know I'm from England and I, I visited there a couple of times in the last year or so. That's where I started writing about kombucha, and I know there there's a big pub culture and what they call draft beer or tap on tap is big. And I know some non-alcoholic kombucha companies are pushing it as a tap a dispense. Mm -hmm. Dispense is is yours. Um, is your company kind of doing both? You mentioned canning, but are you also yes. which is like are they equal? Like in terms of where no. your focus is? But, hmm? No, we uh, we do have it available on draft. Um, we do sell quite a bit of draft, but um, we are definitely uh, skewed much heavier to cans. I think that will change in the future. Um, Here's the reason. So as you know, in San Diego in particular, but throughout the rest of the United States, as craft beer became more and more popular, beer bar, specific beer bars started popping up here and there. Um, existing bars, instead of having two or three taps, suddenly had 20 taps, right? Um, so you can go into almost any bar in San Diego, and they're going to have at least, at least 20 tap handles there. And when craft beer was really, really in its heyday, uh, which I'm not saying that it's still not, but maybe not as much as it was five years ago, um, you know, there's 20 different beers on tap. There's 10 different types of IPA, and then there's porters and stouts and all these different things. Um, usually one tap is dedicated to a non-beer um, tap handle, and that would be a cider or um, a mead or now a hard kombucha. But that's one out of 20 handles, right? Um, mm. And I think, I think what you're going to start seeing is more and more of these beer bars are going to start realizing that, hey, people want more variety than 10 different types of IPA. And so instead of one out of 20, you might start seeing two or three or maybe even four of those tap handles are dedicated to beer alternatives. Um, such as cider, mead, or hard kombucha. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, a whatever they call it, like a shelf space or a, or a, a, mm -hmm. a game where. And, and do you have a tap room at your own uh, facility there in the brew where you brew it mm -hmm. on site? Yes, we actually we have two of them. So our original location down in North Park um, is a 2,000 square foot um, facility, about a thousand. A thousand of those feet are a tasting room, and we've got about 20 taps there, um, and we've got 18 different flavors of June Shine on tap at all time. Our new facility, um, our Scripps Ranch facility, um, is the old Ballast Point Brewery. It's a 25,000-square-foot production facility with a tasting room um, in the front. We've got a ridiculous number of tap handles there. We've got 50 tap handles there. At one point, Ballast Point was serving 50 different types of beer. Um, we've got about 25 different flavors of June Shine on tap, as well as we're also serving um, beers, organic ciders, um, non-alcoholic kombucha from um, other companies that we love and respect, cold-brewed coffee, that kind of stuff. And we also have a restaurant in that taste. Okay, place. For people yeah. listening to the podcast, I will put this in the write-up that's going to come to the podcast, but can you just quickly 
if you've got it at hand, uh, you said two facilities. What's the street address if somebody wants to Google this or to visit them? How do they find? Yeah, the I mean, best way is just type in Juneshine to Google Maps, and that'll that'll pop it up. But uh, yeah, the uh, the Scripps Ranch facility is on uh, one zero zero five one Old Grove Road in San Diego, okay. and and then the North Park facility is. 3052 El Cajon Boulevard, um, also in San Diego. Oh, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, because it sounds like it's one of the few places in the world you could go and get 18 to 25 flavors of uh, June Shine in one go and do a taste test. Maybe you'd have to have a, yeah. a, teaspoon, a teaspoon full of each so you didn't, you know, fall over after. You couldn't drink yeah. 18 pints. Like <laughs> um, you could try. You, you try. could try, yeah. Yeah, have fun trying. So what about the distribution? Where, where will people find Juneshine in the bars and on the shelves today? Sure. Um, currently, we are distributing all the way up the West Coast to Seattle, um, over to Hawaii. Um, we recently launched uh, New York City, Boston, uh, Austin, Texas, um, and we'll soon be in Phoenix um, and Las Vegas as well. Um, and, you know, Quality is extremely important to us, so all of our Juneshine is cold shipped, cold stored, and cold displayed, as kombucha should. Well, this has been great, Greg. Um, what I'd like to just maybe wrap up with for the podcast is, um, like you said, Juneshine was founded a couple of years ago. Um, kombucha, you know, I think GT Dave famously started distributing it when he was 15 or 18, and now he's 40, so 20 years ago. Where do you see uh, hard kombucha? Uh, it sounds like you've had a pretty rapid growth since that first few five gallons was being brewed, and your experience in the craft brewing industry, which saw a rapid growth over maybe 20 years. Where do you see it being like maybe three, five years out? In, not just in terms of Juneshine, but it, as a category, as hard kombucha, based sure. on what you know. Sure. I, you know, I think even more than just specifically hard kombucha, I think consumers are looking for alcohol that aligns with their lifestyles and their core values and beliefs. Um, one of the reasons, or probably the most important reason, Juneshine was founded was because there was a lack of transparency in the alcohol space. You walk into a Whole Foods, any box of cereal that you pick up or jug of milk or whatever specifically has the ingredients listed on it, USDA certif uh, certifications, those kinds of things. That's something that was completely lacking in the alcohol um, categories. Juneshine was founded so that there would be a place for people that are conscious of sustainability, um, organic ingredients, a healthier way of consuming alcohol. Um, and that is not a fad. That is a trend that will continue to grow. Um, and not only for people who are conscious of calories and carbs, but also for the um, conscious of the quality of the ingredients that um, they're putting in their body. So I, I don't see that slowing at any time. Uh, people are going to continue pursuing those types of alcohols. 
Yeah. Did that answer your question at all? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I I mean, like you said, it was from the very get-go, the founders realized they had liquid gold, and I think um, anybody who wants a healthy, and and I I noticed your website also stressed sustainability in uh, the manufacturing, you know, the waste products and so on. Are you careful with those as well as using aluminum cans, which are much easier to recycle. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. We're, we're also a 1% for the planet um, organization, which means every year we give 1% of our revenue to um, a environmental um, organization that focuses on sustainability. I'm really proud about that. Um, and then, you know, just sharing those core values and ensuring that all of our team members um, also, you know, feel the same way. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with us today, Greg, and good luck with your uh, future brewing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.